genre. Welcome back to Cornetto Minute, the soon-to-be daily podcast where we will analyze and celebrate Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez, assistant manager. As promised in our pilot episode, we will be covering Shaun of the Dead one minute at a time in October. But before then, we're going to be talking about the television series Spaced. And today we are talking about Beginnings, the first episode of Spaced Series 1. And with us today, we have... Zach Luna from Spider-Man Minute, co-host with Scott Corelli on his other podcast that's here on the Doing Genre Network. Happy to be here. (laughs) And uh, I'm Nick Ferguson from That Thing You Do Minute, the recently completed That Thing You Do Minute, and soon to be coming uh, with a new podcast to the Dueling Genre Network. Yeah. yeah. Exclusive. Um, Very exciting. All right. Well, thanks, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Um, I'm excited to, uh, to dig into this. Um, so I think, you know, uh, when we were taught, when Nick and I were talking about starting this show, we just, um, we just kind of realized that we would be talking about space, like space would come up a lot, especially in Shaun of the Dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it seemed appropriate to sort of have uh, a fresh conversation about the show before getting started. Um, so I'm uh, I'm glad that you guys are here to uh, talk to us about uh, this first episode, the very first episode of Spaced. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, right off the bat, um, let's talk about this first scene. Uh, this hmm. this scene uh, where because we open beginnings with. Um, uh, of course, uh, the two creators of the show, uh, Jessica Stevenson, uh, or no, Je- Jessica Hines Nay Stevenson. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, she was uh, Hines at the time, right? And now she's Stevenson. Uh, yes. yes. I always get I always get that mixed up. I always I can't ever remember which was which. Um, but uh, yeah, so we have uh, Simon Pegg and and uh, Jessica Hines Nay Stevenson um, here. And, uh, I, I, I love this scene because it's the first scene that the, the two of them came up with for the show. Um, cause what right. happened was basically they worked together, uh, the three of them, uh, them and Edgar Wright, uh, worked together on a show called Asylum, which was a, uh, sketch show. And, yeah. uh, oh. when they were on that show together, uh, every scene that uh, Jessica and Simon did together, um, BBC like really liked. It was like they were really kind of popular together as like a duo. And so BBC asked them to um, pitch them a TV series. And this was the first thing that they thought of um, after pitching that initial concept of Spaced. Uh, and this was the first scene that they wrote. And I think it's really clever. Uh, I like it. It's sort of, you know, you've seen that, that scene where, um, you know, I, I've seen that thing a lot in, in movies and TV where you show someone a room and then you see, see someone going toward a room and you think that they're going to their room and then it's a fake out. Um, right. yeah. you know, I think, I think, uh, silence of the lambs has a really, um, uh, yeah, yeah, has like a (laughs) a really like big cinematic, uh, version of that. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, you see that a lot. And this is kind of that, but like in a comedic way um, that right. I'm, I'm really into. I don't know. What do you guys think it's, of this opening scene? Yeah, it's a really good uh, bait and switch, right? It's a, it, it's a good way to start off the series in that you're, you're given uh, all the information you need immediately into how this show is going to go. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to have these serious moments, but intersected with a lot of levity. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, you get that right off the bat, especially with the, I, I, you know, maybe I guess it's jumping to the end of the scene, but with the, with Tim's, I love you and the, the facial expression he makes immediately, like he knows he made a mistake. <laughs> and, and that's like the first big laugh of the show, you know, well, after you realize the, that it's cutting back and forth between these two separate scenes, you know, and then, and then, yeah, they hit you with that. The, I love you, mm, and then <laughs> it's like we're and then we're into it. We're off and running, and the show like it just starts so fast and it it moves so quickly. It's got that kinetic feeling that you get from a lot of Edgar Wright's work. So totally, yeah. I I like that the the fake out breakup uh, works whether or not you already see it coming. You know, like if you if you're just watching the show and you're like, okay, they are having this argument. It's it's fun and it's kind of snappy and like the the facial expressions and things are still entertaining if you're sort of playing it straight, I guess, or, or mm-hmm. uh, taking it in straight. But there's a bit that uh, Simon does that I love where before he says, like, just give me a reason. He goes, just like, give me a reason. And he like sticks out his tongue. It's such a, a stupid gesture, but such a real thing that people do this, like silliness inherent in the sad moments. So like, I like being on board with that even before I know it's, uh, you know, they're not actually talking to each other. But if you do know they're actually talking to each other, not talking to each other from the beginning, it's it's doubly fun. Like, I like that whether you're a person that's like, oh, no, I see what you're doing already. I got it. I got the gist. It's still funny. Right. And if you're a person that wasn't picking up on it, the joke lands that much harder at the end. I, I think it's deceptively um, sophisticated, even though it's a very simple joke, uh, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that's... Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, I, it ju- you just made me think that uh, that this scene is a great um, introduction into you know the works of Edgar Wright in that it plays really well on a first viewing when you don't know what's going on, but it's mm-hmm. even better on the second, third. You know, as you as you watch yeah. it over and over again, there's more layers to it. You know, when when you're expecting that twist at the end, there you get a lot more out of it. Out of that, like you start to understand the conversation that's that's taking place in each of the two separate scenes. So yeah, yeah. that's a great point. I love you get it. different laughs earlier when you know more about it right. on your second viewing. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and we have that good Terminator uh, two reference in there, so mm-hmm. I'm never going to complain <laughs> yep. about that. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I think my I think my favorite bit of it is uh, is probably the uh, you know five years, and she's like, I was drunk, like just the <laughs> just the bad, like like that that thing, like you guys are talking about, where you know it's it's just such a weird exchange the first time you watch it because. It it doesn't it, it's like it's like this what a weird strange woman that she was like in this relationship <laughs> with the guy but she has a boyfriend and they've been de- but they've been together right. for five years and she's saying she was drunk and doesn't remember a lot of it like what is going on <laughs> just tell me who um, just tell me who it is my boyfriend that bastard yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I I just I love all of that like it's so it's so funny uh like it's so funny the first time you watch it because you're like what is going on. And then mm-hmm. when you get the reveal, 
that they're not actually talking to each other, um, it's it's even better uh, because yep. you are. It, what what's great about it too is that we're being introduced to our two leads here, and they are having a conversation with each other, but they're not because yeah. the thing about right. it is who they're talking to isn't the important part. The important part is our two heroes. And yeah. so they literally just cut out the characters that weren't important out of the conversation. <laughs> um, and I, and I it, really and like it's sort of, uh, and, and it's very deftly, uh, this is very clearly, and I say this with a lot of love, but watching the series again, it, it's like, it has like first novel written all over it. Uh, sure. <laughs> like, like, like Tarantino says this thing, like when you make your first movie, you're really making your like autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, like because that, right. that's kind of like that's everyone's first story is their story um but so what what I find just really great about this episode or this in, in in general is how skilled both Stevenson and Peg were at writing for themselves mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. like like this is like this is great Simon Peg in this opening scene. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, just immediately like kind of like okay like what 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 is funny about me which is like a super underrated skill for a a, a a comedian writer to have is being able to like honestly and effectively write for your like strengths. Uh, totally. Yeah. So, so I think so. It's just a super effective, and it's 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 kind of like letting you know, hey, this is not going to be the boy meets girl kind of girl boy and girl fall in love story that you're used to with these kinds of shows like, like, like we're kind of gonna we're, gonna we're gonna switch it up a little bit not a lot but yeah. we, we are gonna switch <laughs> it up a little bit yeah yeah um so then we we move on uh from uh, you know getting dumped and dumping someone um who in the in the commentary they refer to this guy as a tramp uh so so i guess he's like uh he's kind of like a homeless uh because i i think i think tramp more in in terms of like lady and the tramp like just like a guy who you know <laughs> takes a bath and like water that's like pouring out of a drain um yeah you Some, know like someone that's... who knows all of the someone who knows all of the female dogs locked up in the pound right yeah yes, right yes. exactly specifically yeah 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 <laughs> um and uh so so uh we go from that to a scene of uh of tim in a coffee shop um sort of drawing a, a picture of his his now ex um and uh it's a very violent image and what i love about this is that if you've seen the whole series these this sort of passive aggressive uh you know artwork thing that he does uh where he just mm. sort of mindlessly sketches really violent imagery for people that piss him off um it comes back to bite him in the ass in series two in a in a mm-hmm. pretty big way and so i i love that like right off the bat second scene in the show that's being set up that's impressive yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, and I, I just I think that's pretty great. Um, but then uh, we, uh, you know, we have uh, Daisy come over and ask if she could sit next to him. And uh, he does. And we get that great drug dealer joke. Um, yeah. Which is <laughs> a good bit. Oh, I just I, I love like, what are you looking for? What do you got? Um, <laughs> 
and just like the 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 little bit of uh, the little bit of flattery that Simon Pegg gets from being mistaken for a drug dealer. Yeah, right. <laughs> like he's honored. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, great. I really like I really like that. And then uh, her the the ongoing joke with the skip to the end. Um, right between the two of them is is really yeah. fun, and that's that's established here because she just she can't tell a story because um, she's <laughs> you know Daisy's got sort of like a an ADD type personality, and so um, she's very bad at telling stories well, because she she right. does what I do a lot, which is being really critical of sentences you haven't said yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, like uh, oh well, I, I well I have to tell you this before I tell you that. Well, like you yeah. know I can't do that. Well, if I say this, you might think I, I'm this way, but I'm not. Right. Yeah. My my favorite part is that she's not unaware of it, and and that she there, there's a bit where she says she's in the middle of sharing this long diatribe, and she asks him, "Are you really interested?" But then just keeps going, and I think that's <laughs> such a such a window into her her personality that like she knows is a thing. But I'm gonna keep doing it anyway because if I don't get these out, it's like you know, the the world will end or whatever. Uh, it's a it's a fun like anti meat cute I guess. Mm-hmm. Like if this is if you're writing a story about very conventional topics, and this is, I mean, this is very much just like a slice of life romantic comedy type uh, setup, and right, we're yeah. gonna have the spin be that it's not a romantic comedy at first. Uh, how do you how do you make a boilerplate scene of two people meeting for the first time new and fun and interesting. And it doesn't have to be a big elaborate spin. It can just be something fun, like starting on miscommunication or, you know, uh, introducing uh, like one goal that you think you're going to have. And somebody else has a completely different one. Like the drug dealer thing is silly and fun and cute. And it gets us talking before we have to do the like, Oh, but is that your book type of shenanigans? Like it's just, (laughs) We charge right into it, and I I love that the ease that they have with that so early on. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, think she's... that it's it's uh, the miscommunication element is an ongoing theme for this show. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is the the idea that you know Gen Xers. Uh, young, you know, when they were young in their twenties, they were just really bad at communication. Like it, it was kind of like an on, and it's an ongoing thread on this on this show is that no one tells anyone anything, and people, you know, think that you're saying one thing when you're meaning another, and there, there's a lot of that on this show. Um, and people what pouring what their I'm, hearts out while like someone, the person you're talking to is literally sleeping on the table. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> like I'm I'm really I'm I'm just really um interested in looking at this because Edgar Wright didn't write this show. Like he had a hand in right. it uh creatively, conceptually, because you know, he knew what kind of director he was and they knew what kind of director he was, and so they tried to write toward things that he would be interested in directing. But yeah. they wrote the all of the scripts for the show. Edgar Wright didn't write mm-hmm. them. So it's interesting watching this show and watching, you know, Simon Pegg, because I don't I don't know how Jessica Stevenson became as a writer after this, because I'm not familiar with anything that she wrote after this. But right. uh but Simon Pegg, we know, go, goes really deep down the rabbit hole of 
theme and layering and things like that um, that he brought to all of the, the the scripts that he wrote with Edgar Wright later on. And um, even in things like Paul and uh, Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so yeah. it's a thing that he's really interested in. And I'm I'm really, you know, rewatching this. I think I'm I'm most excited about one discovering uh, you know things about Edgar Wright as a director, but also discovering things about Peg as a writer uh, and performer. Totally. And mm-hmm. I think that that theme of miscommunication is sort of the uh, the start of something that he you know sort of embraces as a writer, which is that you know you find a, a theme that you're interested in, and you just you just you just write everything toward that theme. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, it's cool seeing that start here, just like in these two scenes of this miscommunication uh, theme. Yeah. 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 I just love the costuming here. It's so 99. Like it's, it's so (laughs) in that time period, like just Daisy's little choker, you know, like I, Mm -hmm. I feel like every girl I knew in, I guess this would have been my senior year of high school, uh, wore one of these, you know, the little, uh, I don't even know what that, I know it's a choker, but that's mm-hmm. that specific style, you know, right. the little. Like braided plastic that expands. And yeah. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, I feel it's like. the time. <laughs> yeah. Whoever manufactured those was making a mint at that time. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's um, like, yeah, I just, I love, and especially as the show goes on, like their, their, their costuming is so perfect. I think we'll talk about that a little bit more later in this episode, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it it just adds to the whole, you know, it's the there's so much detail put into every little bit of this show. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I, I, I really love the uh, yeah, just that that detail there. Yeah, especially considering the budget of the show, which was extremely low. Um, right. Yeah. But but of course, you know, the the benefit of having that low budget is that the BBC was like, here's money. Go do whatever you want. Uh, and yeah. we got this show as a result, which is uh, awesome. Um, mm-hmm. So the scene then sort of starts to get into uh, this montage, the getting to know you montage, which is, of course, the song from <laughs> The King and I. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I I just this is this is the sequence where I fell in love with the show. And I mean, we're, we're like three or four minutes in or something like that at that point. Um, and this Mm -hmm. sequence was the one that made me, I was like, Oh, I'm going to like this. And then punctuating it with the crying scene (laughs) of them just (laughs) like having like, like dueling cries. Uh, that's the bit where I was like, Oh no, I'm not going to like this show. I'm going to love this show. Um, (laughs) cause it's such a silly moment of them just swapping like cry, like cries out loud. Uh, it's, it's such a silly thing and I, I love it to pieces. It's great. Yeah. I think this is like the first time for me in this show where it really felt like this was Shaun of the dead to me, you know, with the, from the, the camera work during the montage where it's mm-hmm. just that constant kinetic movement from left to right, you know, the camera moving across and, and showing the passage of time. And then that hard smash cut into the, you know, I think it's our first star Wars reference with the, that bad, huh? And then, in, <laughs> yeah. you know, into that, yeah, the the crying scene. It's like, well, that is just, it's so, yeah, Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, like this is, 
mm-hmm. once you see this, yeah, and like you said, it's maybe four or five minutes into the episode, and it's just like, okay, I I understand what I'm in for now. Uh, at least for me, I had already seen you know Shaun of the Dead at this point, so it was just, yeah, I I was totally I was like ready to to consume the whole show from beginning to end at this point, you know, mm-hmm. if I had had any reservations at that point, so. And you can see the like uh, the low tech version, I guess, of um, you know stylistic impulses that Edgar Wright's gonna gonna expand on later in life. Like I love watching this sequence and saying like the idea they have is oh wouldn't it be great if we started moving the camera from left to right and kept it at a constant speed and as people moved by we would just continually see the same booth pop up with our right. you know new characters in it and the same booth pop up with our new characters in it and. What they come up with at this point is like, okay, I, I, we'll we'll put a long track and we'll do it so that every new take has the same speed behind it, and we'll we'll edit around when the end of the booth is. But I could mm-hmm. see like a high budget version of this where they literally built a longer set with like a <laughs> computer controlled camera or something, so that when a person walked by and wiped the screen, we could cut on that on that right. that person, mm-hmm. and that it would be seamless, uh, you know, a procession of booths going by type of thing. And, yeah. and this actually, uh, this sequence is actually uh, the first of um, when I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sort of call like right. I I don't have a name for it yet. We I, I want a name for this, but I want to point at elements of the show and and say like, oh, Edgar Wright remade this shot in another movie. Um, yeah. And this is one of those shots that he remakes later. This is the opening of w- The World's End um, when we're being right. introduced to all of the characters as adults. Yeah, It's doing yeah. that same sort of let's put the camera on a track. Let's move from left to right and build a montage out of that. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a very similar sequence. And I just love seeing stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. in this show and saying like, oh, this is him. He's, he's, uh, you know, sort of extra, he's building his muscles. He's, he's, he's exercising and he's, he's, you know, figuring out himself creatively and the kinds of things that he's interested in, um, you know, to the point where later on he's going to redo this shot and it's going to be, like you said, much more professionally done. Uh, yeah. And, but he... He, you know, broke in the concept of this shot on this show, which is really all this show is, I think, for him is a lot of um, I have an idea for a shot. Let's see if we can make it work in this show. Uh, and and there's a lot of that. And I think this is the first example of that. Uh, it's like, <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, of Baby and Baby Driver recording part of conversations when there's a bit of like you know musicality mm-hmm. there that he likes and then he'll go home and rework it and then rework it more until something until it's something nice that like this is the moment that baby would record with his uh tape recorder <laughs> for later use yeah 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 <laughs> a little bit this is his sample track <laughs> <laughs> okay so then uh then we they they uh they find an ad uh for uh, a flat asking for professional couples only um mm-hmm. and uh 90 pounds that's yeah, 80 Man. pounds a week, right? Yeah, they yeah. joke about how absurd that number is um, a right. lot in the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, <laughs> they're like, that's that's the most unbelievable part of the show. Um, is, Even at the time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, 80 pounds a week. They find a flat, professional couples only. 
uh, Tim suggests that she find a male friend to pretend uh, to be uh, her boyfriend. And she, he's a like, do you know, do you know any male friends who are looking for a place to live? I, again, it's that, it's that miscommunication. Like, I just love the obliviousness of Tim's right. character almost, <laughs> almost constantly on this show. He's just very oblivious. Um, he's literally describing himself and is like looking behind himself and everything. It's pretty great. <laughs> Well, it shows, yeah, it, it shows that thing you were talking about where, where people are kind of talking over and passing or not, not saying things that need to be said. And this is very much showing that, that Tim is very, uh, unself-aware at this point in the show, you know, mm-hmm. like he, uh-huh. he, he's describing himself to a T, but also not, you know, it's that, it's that famous thing where people are really good at giving advice, but not taking it. Yes. You know, it's a, Tim is like is saying, well, you just should find a homeless male friend. That, and, and he is, yeah, he's exactly describing himself, but not, you know, not getting it until she wipes her spit away and then gives him that stare. <laughs> uh, that stare that's like one of Daisy's superpowers. Uh, she always gets what she <laughs> wants when she uses that stare on this show. Right. Um, and then we, uh, we, go into a another montage of them learning about each other and this is kind of the coolest way to just and and it's funny because this is sort of a combination of two things you've got two things going on here that edgar wright will repeat uh later on because you have you have the, the 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 concept of um you know what what you know they're describing stuff and then showing uh other things and it's sort of like jokes and everything and that's that's re- mm-hmm. that reminds me a lot of um the you know the plan in Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. um but it's also uh something that he repeats at the beginning of of two of his films at the beginning of Hot Fuzz and The World's End uh mm-hmm. he he does that sort of deep dive montage of this is where this character or characters are coming from. Um, and right. you have uh, Nicholas Angel's sort of introduction in Hot Fuzz. And then you have, uh, you know, Gary, Gary King and, and his buddies uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of The World's End. And, and both of those sequences are a lot like this one um, yes. in the way that they're constructed and everything. And the function they serve right. as well. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I just love that if you're, I don't know when you're when you're writing and you're thinking about like how do I how do I organically get an exposition dump like this about like people's backstories and stuff like that. I love the audacity of just like don't make it organic at all. Just like <laughs> set up a c- scenario where they have to quiz each other on their right. entire life stories, and then you can just like barrel through it all at once and have fun with it. Like it doesn't have to be sleek and hidden as long as it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I I find this tremendously entertaining. It's great. And and just real quickly, the these pictures that we get in this sequence, the baby pictures of them are just so precious. Like <laughs> I I meant to look it up and I never did, but maybe one of you guys know is it looks like they're actually, you know, obviously the older ones are are real pictures of them, but they even if the baby pictures aren't them, they found like baby pictures that look like these two actors, you know. Yeah. So it, yeah. I I'm pretty sure these are all real uh photos. Yeah. Yeah. That was my guess. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a great use of, you know, just having, a, you know, just 
I can imagine that scene of, uh, of of them in the writer's room or whatever going, well, okay, we're going to do this sequence. Can you guys like go back to your mom and dad's house and, and <laughs> right. raid through the shoe boxes to find us some silly baby pictures? And we get this great one of, uh, of Jessica with the drumsticks in her nose, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part of this sequence is uh, like Zach was talking about, you know, this is they're not hiding the fact that this is just just straight up, you know, you know, trying to just give information, just bury the audience of information about these two characters. And yeah. at a certain point, um, the exposition is so silly and they know that it's silly that they kind of just. <laughs> It's that they're so aware of how expositiony the scene is that they just they just accept it. Like there's that bit, the bits where they tell each other about their significant others, and they're like, "But we're right. not going to talk about that." So right. then, why are you talking about it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, they just I just lean into I love it. those bits. I think those are great. Uh, one thing that I, I really found really, and yes, they the, the they, they those were actually uh, photos of Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines. Um, awesome, A. Stevenson. Uh, they said that in the commentary. <laughs> uh, one thing that I really found really cool in this uh, part of the of the episode when they're walking towards each other, uh, Tim Beasley as the character is uh, about three months younger than my brother. Uh, oh, okay. And so, like, my brother was born in June of 1974, and I think like I it hit me. I my, my I. I love my brother with all my heart. He is Gen X to me. Like, right. he's yeah. sort of the, I mean, the the worst Gen X is kind of like, you guys didn't see Ben Folds live. I don't know how to talk to women. Cell phones are ruining the world. But like, <laughs> my my brother is kind of like the Was best that your Mark Maron impression? <laughs> sure. Is Mark Maron, uh, I think Mark Maron would be a boomer technically. Uh, what no pun intended. Uh, I don't know. I don't, he's like in his 50s, right? Yeah, that's Gen. Yeah. That's Gen X. He's I think riding the line. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's yeah. like he's like he's kind of like you with Gen X, where he's sort of riding that line. Yeah, where I'm I'm right. I'm right on the edge of Gen X and and millennial. I believe millennial. I believe Nick uh, N- Nick is also uh, riding that yeah, line. Yeah, which I read an article recently. Apparently, it's there. We're called Xennials, which I well, you got to be vehemently despise. I don't. I don't yeah. need. Uh, I don't. I don't need that label. That's fine. No. Nope. If you want to call it. me a millennial, great. If you want to call me a Gen X, great. I don't care. Um. I'm. <laughs> I'm even okay with Gen Y. Like I will take that over that disgusting moniker. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. I've always liked millennial. I think it makes me sound like a Jack Kirby alien. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I like getting credit for like killing every industry on the planet. So yeah. mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the label yeah. as much as it's thrown around. <laughs> yeah, do you hear we're, well, getting, we're getting blamed for a bar soap now? Um, yeah. Oh, un- awesome. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, it's because we're not buying one. houses, guys. If we were just buying yeah. houses, everything would work out. Homeowners no, buy bars of soap. Yeah. Um, global warming yeah. is for sure still a theory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Yeah, so like watching the show is kind of like the the saga of of Gen X kind of trying to become adults. It's like a really fascinating way to to, to watch yeah. the show for me. Uh, that's mm-hmm. all I wanted to say. You guys can keep going. <laughs> well, it's nicely reasoned. Yeah. Uh, so so then the um, uh, once we get through this uh, this montage of them getting to know each other. Um, 
like like exposition-y instead of the getting to know you montage right. um, <laughs> from earlier. Um, after this sequence, they show up at uh, at the the house, the flat that we're going to uh, know very well uh, by the end of these fourteen episodes, um, right. and we're introduced to uh, Marcia, who of course will become their landlady, uh, and Marcia is. Such a fun character. Um, I yeah. I love Marsha Klein so much, and I think the thing that I I I love about you know what what Julia Deacon does with this character because she's so not Julia Deacon at all, um, right. and I, and I love that she created this character by basing it on a man, and that's. <laughs> That's how like Marsha <laughs> is this very specific. She was just like, yeah, I've got a, I've got this male friend and he, and he talks like Marsha and he acts like Marsha. Um, right. and, and that's what I based the voice off of. So I'm just doing an impression of him and that created this Marsha character. Um, mm-hmm. and, and she's just so weird and I love her so much. She's great. Yeah. Well, and we get a couple more introductions right before that. You know, obviously, you guys will be talking about it more as the show gets along, uh, mm-hmm. or as as you go through more episodes. But this, you know, we get our first introduction into Dwayne, who shows up in, right. uh, you know, uh, um, in that montage. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like well, but he shows up in a lot of the in in the later films. Oh, we're yeah, be talking right. about as well. Peter Serafinowicz, uh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and we get Twist, who's a, a favorite of mine. I, I don't know why. I just I love this character. I, <laughs> she yeah, she reminds me of you know girls I knew around that time. I mm-hmm. guess mm-hmm. Um, works in fashion, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we see her at the uh, at the la- uh, the dry cleaner, you, not laundromat, the yep. dry cleaner. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, and and of course uh, Mike. You yeah, know, it's a. It's our first introduction of Nick Frost, who will become a much larger character as the show gets goes along. But we only get a couple little bits of him in this episode. Mm-hmm. And, and what we, you know, he's a weapons expert, and we see him shooting the uh, slingshot. You know, yeah, right. shooting the slingshot. Um, and then, and then the last little bit, the last joke I had was the green card joke. I just, I love that joke. It's so, uh, yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, the one about What's the it green called? card. What's it called? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't and uh, <laughs> you, you guys were talking a few minutes ago, very wellly about, uh, very wellly about yeah, very uh, well. about um, what happens when uh, when he finds the right stuff, so to speak, and will carry jokes or, or shots over. And uh, this is just as effectively used in uh, the world's end when uh, they're talking about the high school production of A Winter's Tale. <laughs> oh right! Yes, oh, that's yes. right. Totally. That, so that must be that. That must be Simon Pegg then, since he wrote he wrote this ep- or co-wrote this episode. That was probably his joke, and then he's kind of reusing that same joke in the World's End when he co-wrote that one. Um, right. I bet that's a good right. catch. Yeah, I like that term. The right stuff. I think that's a good a good one to start with. Yeah, <laughs> he keeps right. me around for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, so uh, Marcia shows them around the apartment. I love that that joke of just I I love that Daisy's so nervous about right you know sharing this information that she just keeps blurting things out. And Marcia's like, "What are you what 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 are you talking about?" <laughs> it's 
She's determined to get this right, you know. She, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tim got a she bike when he was su- ten. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're a couple. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they're just she's so desperate to have a place. Uh, yeah, and it's, exactly. And I, I just really like that uh, about her as a character. But yeah, um, they're showing them around the apartment. I, I use that line. Yes, perfect for a child. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I, I quote that. Uh, quite a bit for like really just for no reason whatsoever um it's it's <laughs> it's rarely applicable but i i still uh i still use it um uh just because i just one. i love the way that he says it uh just yes yeah, perfect for a child uh it just right. walks out of the room um these twins great- oh go ahead Oh, I just wanted to mention, you know, because I just came off doing a music pod or a, a movie musical podcast, mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. the the music when she opens the door is is so perfect because it's like that. It, it kind of has that lifestyles of the rich and famous yeah. feel to it, but then you uh-huh. open to this like very plain, you know, basic flat, and <laughs> but that's just, also yeah, something it, I feel like we've all experienced. Mm-hmm. Where if if you could go back in time. Maybe that place was like, oh, that was actually that place is kind of a shithole. But right. when you're when you're searching and searching for a place to live, yes. and you just find the right place, it is kind of like finding like an oasis in the desert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. It's it's yeah. when it's that thing where you walk into a place and you're like, oh, this is home. Like I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it. Um, I know yeah. it right now. Right. Oh my God. And what? and it's funny that you mentioned that shot. I'm glad that you brought it up because that is the first shot of the series. Um. That is the okay. very first thing that they shot. And one of the things uh, about huh. this show, because of the way that the BBC runs uh, tel- their television series, because they're short seasons, um, yeah. they they shoot everything on a block schedule, which means that they find they get a location or a set and they mm-hmm. shoot everything for the entire series right. in that, set, that set in a row. Oh, so yeah. they're they're shooting the entire season at once um yeah. out of order and so it's you know they write the entire season uh before starting and then they they basically um you know produce the entire series like one long movie yeah and uh that was the very first shot that they got that's oh, wonderful interesting um against scott's better judgment i um i listened to, i watched this episode three times uh, uh once and then uh once again with the original uk uh, commentary, which I would recommend mm-hmm. if for no other reason than to hear Baby Edgar Wright. Um, Aww. <laughs> yeah. insane. It's insane. Everyone else kind of sounds the same, but Edgar Wright's voice is like up like three octaves. Aww. <laughs> um, and I watched it against Scott's uh, better judgment. I I watched it a third time with a uh, an, uh, the, the, when they put out the DVDs in 08, they did new commentaries right. with kind of American fans of the show and uh oh boy. for episodes one mm. through three they chose uh uh the, the 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 storyteller of our age uh speaking of generation x uh mr kevin smith uh, oh boy yeah before oh. i'm of the unpopular opinion where i think i prefer kevin smith post weed um wow <laughs> he it, wow it, scott was right this was a deeply uncomfortable commentary um, uh-huh. Yeah, he, there's yeah. you know there's an episode of Dinner for Five with Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck, and Jennifer Gardner, and it's worth watching because you get to watch Jennifer Gardner fall in love with Ben Affleck, and oh, okay. and deeply, deeply commit to an unending hatred for Kevin Smith. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> um, he is the he is the Greek god of your boyfriend's best friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oof, yeah. Uh that's, he, that's a way to put it. He is obsessed with the fact that uh Jessica Stevenson Nahines had to breastfeed her, her children and oh. uh insists on her uh giving details to that. Um but I but I will say the reason I bring this up is yeah. uh one of the great the reason I thought the commentary was worth listening to, and I'm glad I did it, was they kind of because Kevin Smith is 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 like 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 all four of us like a, an American that's largely ignorant of like the minutia of living in London, um, right. he describes uh, space is not set in the bad part of London. Mm-hmm. It's it's right. not set in the great part of London. It, like if this were uh, he he uh, Simon Pegg really effectively described it as like this is the part of the neighborhood where all the men wear sandals and drink green tea. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and that kind of tell, like, okay, like, we know, like, in LA, okay, that would be like Silver Lake, or that would be like this right, place, right. or Chicago would be like Wicker Park. And I think it's really cool that they were igno- that they were acknowledging that this isn't like the, the you know, I guess the, the not for a, for not going for a joke here, but, you know, this isn't the East End. Uh, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I just think that's a super relatable, uh, aspect to the show and it kind of like okay so this is like this is a nice place but it's also no one here is like got the best grades or you know, are, are living their best lives so right. <laughs> they're kind of in the middle right and they might not have like pointed out those sort of things were it not for the fact that they had a you know a token clueless american to join and right sort of, uh, <laughs> token yeah. clueless american <laughs> <laughs> um, no that was before that do. um yes yeah so <laughs> uh but yeah i uh yeah that was that was that was interesting it was just it was it was tough to it was very uncomfortable uh the rest of it um yeah but uh i i I, I don't know i haven't decided if i'm gonna try to listen to the ones for episodes two and three yet uh we'll see (laughs) i have to find out if jessica hines does because she's being very polite in the first episode and i'm interested to see how how strong that 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 shield is <laughs> right. i guess we'll find out um so then we get uh a, a, a sort of a a pairing of scenes of the two of them um after getting the apartment uh or i guess i guess before that i did well, want to mention the twins uh yeah who they find in the closet <laughs> um they are megan and rosie DeWolf, and they are from the tel- the, the the television series league of gentlemen um, huh. which uh, okay. was a Mark Gatiss uh, joint yeah. back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, so they were they were from that. And actually, the the scenes or the the clips where you're seeing like them the the little like random clips of of Tim and Daisy in red, like blood red. Uh, yeah, yeah. The the what they did to make it really off putting is they actually took those are clips. The red clips are from uh, episode four. Um, huh. So they're completely out of place. Uh, with with what is going on in the scene to make it even more off putting than it than it already probably would have been. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Uh, nice. But I I uh, the twins thing is funny because it's the start of what becomes an ongoing thread with Edgar Wright. Uh, Edgar Wright has never made a thing that doesn't have twins in it. Um, right. 
Huh. He puts That's, he he puts twins in everything he does. Never noticed. Yeah, that. yeah. Every everything <laughs> he does uh, has twins in it somewhere. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah, I, I I had not noticed that as well. That's he it's it's funny because he didn't notice it either. And then I was listening to um, him talk about Baby Driver on a podcast. I forget which one. And someone was like, "So you obviously have a thing for twins?" And he was like, "What?" Do I? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you know, there's the twins in space and blah, 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 blah. And there right. he was like, oh my God. I, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why that's a thing. That's weird. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah the twins so he, actually have my favorite line in Baby Driver, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was improv, um, which is insane for an Edgar Wright movie. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's insane that it got in, and he talked about how insane it was that that ended up in the movie. <laughs> he was like, yeah. "Yeah, it was just, it was too good. I had to, I had to keep it." Yeah. And if you haven't um, seen Baby Driver, we'll keep it a secret here, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, so we have his first instance of using twins um, on uh, nice. on one of these things, which is interesting. But yeah, so then we we go into uh, after they get the apartment. They, well, they've got and, the interview too, right? Yeah, there is the interview, and I, I love the 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 hand holding rattle. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> there's a couple things. There's the hand holding rattle, and then for me, I, I didn't notice it. I, I I watched the episode twice getting ready for this, and I didn't notice it until the second time through. I don't think I had noticed it before, but the way that Marcia's sitting in this chair is like she's a gargoyle or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> She's yeah, like kind of to the animal. side, yeah, yeah, with like her knees up on the one arm and and kind of leaning against the other arm, and it's just it's very interesting. I I don't know, I I didn't really know what to think of it, but I just wrote that down. I was like, what is? How is she sitting? <laughs> this yeah. can't be comfortable. <laughs> just a wonderful character. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I love the I love the sort of little, oh, I, maybe even subconscious meta joke where uh, all of the all of the uh, exposition and all of the trivia and facts that they've learned was largely useless. They didn't need to learn anything. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that's fantastic. Uh, I love that. Um, so, uh, they get, uh, they, they get their place and they're moving out of their, uh, the places that they're currently living. You get that great mm-hmm. joke of Mike just like throwing the box in the back of his, his yep. team van. Mike um, has no <laughs> lines in this episode, but right. But Frost like yep. crushes both moments that he has on screen. He does. Yeah, totally. absolutely. Um, I want to talk about like where Mike comes from and everything, but we're going to, we'll, we'll probably talk about that. Uh, sure. There, there's it'll be more relevant to, in, in, in uh, the next episode, right? Yeah, but uh, save it. Yeah, Daisy's so place. yeah, Daisy's so place. Oh, so we get. We Can get, we talk about this place? <laughs> we get uh, the Edgar Wright cameo. Um, yeah, which <laughs> is, I believe, the only time it happens in space, and I don't remember it really happening in any of his films very much, if at all, um, that I can think of. Uh, but only- yeah, what I love about this cameo that I think is really interesting is that. The Edgar Wright that's cam- cameoing in this first episode of Spaced looks like Edgar Wright today. Like, it looks yeah. like <laughs> Baby Driver Edgar Wright time traveled to 1999 and cameoed in this episode. Because right. right after this, he he shaved his beard, he cut his hair, um, and and sort of like had more of a baby face look through right. Series 2, Spaced, 
uh, hot fuzz. And it wasn't until Scott Pilgrim that he grew the beard and his hair back out again, mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's on the set of Scott Pilgrim that he kept being. Uh, uh, he kept getting mistaken for um, a production assistant because right. everyone thought he looked so young. So he was like, okay, screw this. I'm growing a beard. So at least I look like an adult. Um, and then yeah. he hasn't shaved the beard since, but yeah, it was really interesting seeing him with the beard this early on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and almost yeah. Kind of, from the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And kind of wearing his, his uniform in a way, at least mm-hmm. like you can really get a good look at him, but he does seem to be wearing like the classic, like black shirt, blue blazer kind of, uniform yeah right yeah absolutely um yeah i know i i just i love the shithole that she was living in uh (laughs) yeah so this house really connects with me because uh when right out of high school when i was in college i worked as a pizza delivery man and uh right yeah right it's it's actually you know it's not a bad job it's just the miles that you could put on your car that comes out of it But um, the right down the street from the pizza place was a house where basically half the staff of the store lived. Uh, and it was co- we called the place the 4070 because that was the address. It was 4070 Adam Road. Um, <laughs> but it was just it was exactly this. Uh, what I guess I can say it, this shithole. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's just it's very like every time I see this scene, it just kind of it brings those memories flooding back like a lot of them good. But, you know, a lot of them <laughs> kind of in the middle uh, of this place where there was a lot of drugs and a lot of, uh, you know, skateboarding and a lot of uh, just, you know, one time there was a cat that had kittens under one of the couches and nobody noticed until, you know, days later. Wow. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it yeah. I, I've got a lot of interesting stories about that place that maybe I'll save for another podcast because this isn't 40, <laughs> sure. 70 minutes. So. Yeah. There's there's something so uh, genuine in the specificity of that kind of dump. Uh, that right. The, the amount of people sleeping in the uh, the living room and the amount of detritus strewn around and the haze in the air where you're like, oh, yeah, yep. I can I can smell that place, the, that place I've been to. That obviously wasn't someplace in North London or something, uh, right. but that is fills the same hole in your developmental <laughs> youth. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, the only thing trying. it's missing is uh, is hours and hours of people playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on the television. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure yeah. that happens. One baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, and then we, we also get a scene of, of Tim, uh, getting redumped, uh, like right. he got, he got sort of dump affirmation, uh, from his ex, uh, oh. where she gives him like a, a spot of hope. Cause she's a little jealous so that good. he's moving in with someone named Daisy. Oh, and he asked, she, she asked, she gets like really kind of uppity about it and then asks, do you love her? And you he's like, her? of course I don't. Uh, I love you, stupid. And she's like, okay, good. And then closes okay, good. the door from his face. <laughs> yeah. uh, and not to get I too, I, 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 understanding that there are like four men recording this right now, but I, I do think that is a very universal, like where you just can't, you can't be cool for like more than a minute. It's almost like uh-huh. you, won't let, you won't let yourself right. have the upper hand in like whatever socio, like social, social like dance you're in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, the, you, you can you only just, hold it up for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like the phenomenon. I guess, I guess now in 2017 would be the equivalent of like not being able to not text back. Right. 
Well, yes. Yeah, it's that uh it's that pettiness in all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like we we want to be happy for ourselves and so, you know, in order to do that, we have to get out of this, you know, whatever it is, not abusive, but just like kind of blase relationship. Yeah. Um, but but we don't want the other person to be happier than we are, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very relatable, so. Oh, it's great. Um so yeah. then uh, we get a very slowly and methodically set up visual gag, which yes. is my <laughs> yes. absolute yeah. favorite visual gag in the entire series. And it's in the first mm-hmm. episode. It's great. Uh, and it's and it's so well done and so well edited and paced and blocked that it's always it's always funny. Every single time, um, and I don't, I don't know how they got the Scooby Doo, the rights to the Scooby Doo music, but it makes the whole thing just fall together perfectly. Um, is it actually? I don't think it is actually the Scooby Doo music. I don't. I could be wrong, but to me, it sounds so like close. one of those where it's like ten percent different. You know, uh-huh. where it's like they change some of the notes and stuff just to get it like around that. It's it's close, but it's not. It, it exact. might also be um, part of a, a. It might be like a, a sample from like a dance right. song, um, which this show uses a lot. Uh, uses a lot of mm-hmm. samples from dance songs, and so it might be like a dance song that was like, oh, let's let's make a you know let's make a banger out of the Scooby Doo music, <laughs> um, right. and, and then and then Edgar Wright is using part of that here. Uh, but in any event, yeah. it it just it works like gangbusters. It's such it's it's yeah. such a good joke. Um, just the idea <laughs> of the, a great uh, effect, like oh, well, uh, playing a little bit of Scooby Doo. I was always Daphne. Who are you? Oh, Fred, obviously. <laughs> of course, yeah, obviously. And uh, uh, what was really interesting about I can't remember what commentary this was in, but. Uh, there was originally going to be an extra line where uh, Tim or Daisy like call out like what they're wearing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was actually Jessica's call to like, no, I, I, I think, I think it's enough of a visual period that we don't, we don't need to call attention to it, mm-hmm. which is a brilliant move, yeah. yeah, especially with the music. The addition of the mm-hmm. music yes. makes it so that you don't have to call it out because the music calls it out. Um, totally. Yeah. It just, it brings it all together. It's, it's again, it's, it's what, you know, Edgar Wright and the people that he surround him, surrounds himself with creatively, what they do best is they all work together in conjunction and build these mm-hmm. moments that are, aren't any one person's idea or concept. And it all just sort of comes together in, in, in a perfect, uh, just a perfect moment. And this is one of those perfect moments, right. I think. Um, you know, and as we, like we were talking about earlier, that it's perfectly telegraphed in that it, it, like you said, it builds very early in the scene that if, if you've watched the show before and you're going back to watch it a second or third time, mm-hmm. as I'm sure most of, <laughs> most of the four of us on this show have, uh, <laughs> that as soon as you see that the, you know, him in the green shirt and her, even though she's wearing all this other stuff, you know, and she's got the apron on and everything, you can see the red turtleneck sticking out underneath and the black frame glasses on top of her head right and it's just it's that yeah it's that telegraphing of the joke that's going to be coming up in a couple of minutes even with the uh the kind of like horror vibe of her checking into tim's room Mm -hmm. and everything it it builds that kind of that campy horror of uh of scooby-doo you know it's just yeah it's it's brilliant yeah yeah absolutely and yes something about the 
whoever came up with the gag of while I take off an apron, it can knock yep. the glasses onto oh, my face. Yeah. So like good. whoever thought of that bit to sell it, I I want to give them all of the awards because standing slow clap. It's so great. It's so yep. great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and then we are introduced to the bear. Uh, yeah. Tim Tim Beasley's <laughs> yeah. comic book uh, creation, which is the most '90s comic book idea um, I've ever seen. <laughs> like this is this is this yeah. is straight up. Like this is the max. This is that sort right. of uh, image, early image, you know, totally. crazy concept for for a, for a series. Yeah. The the my only issue with it, I think, with this with this scene in particular, is you have. Daisy pointing out like, well, if, if, you know, he's having so much trouble, why doesn't he just make, make his own, like, like remake the, the, the chemical that's, you know, made the bear, the bear. And he's, and, and Tim has this look on his face, like, oh no, I I don't know the answer to this. He's like, and then he says the next bit, well, "Well, these are, uh, he's tried obviously. And these are the, (laughs) uh, mutant experiments or whatever. And it's like, but he drew those. And so is he making this up? (laughs) He's got a really big head. Yeah. Is he making making a new reason for maybe maybe. subject change? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's not a huge complaint. It's just, it's just a small moment that doesn't quite work for me the way I wish it did. Um, I don't know yeah. what it is. What maybe it's just Simon Pegg's sort of understated delivery that he's so good at, got, melded with the, like the huge, like again, like very Tank Girl, very night, like or like nineties, mm-hmm. late nineties, like comic art. Just makes me laugh for some reason. Mm-hmm. Just like <laughs> when he's doctor. like, "Oh, and these are all bad experiments that he." Doctor, <laughs> yeah. there's a K. Doctor Man. I love the the art in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean maybe it's because this was this was the height of uh, of of like comic book Nick you know I've never been like a huge huge comic book guy but definitely you know in that uh, you know high, late high school early college like that was the time for me to be kind of uh, uh, taking this kind of stuff in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I I just I love the stylistic choices of the the comic book cover and all the the character designs and everything especially like Dr. Mandrake with the big uh, excuse me Dr. Mandrake <laughs> with the the big huge glasses and everything yeah like the the big bubbly heads they kind of feel almost like um what are the figures the vinyl figures that are really popular now um, figs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. it kind of has a little bit of that that flavor, that feel. To well, the it, artist so. is uh, Jason Brahill. Um, uh-huh, so he okay. he did all of this, and and uh, he's, you know, it's it's nice that they stayed with a consistent uh, artist through right. um, all of this. So it's like, okay, so Jason Brahill is Tim Beasley's artistic talent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So then we get we get oh my god my, this is this this is a joke that uh, I I just love because it's such a it's a subtle it's a very subtle joke um, but it's mm-hmm. the bit where she goes uh, he's like oh so do you like my comic and she's like yeah yeah oh that yeah. reminds me yeah. the rubbish um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like she's just it's at just the right volume right yeah. yeah. Right. It's just it, it's just in enough italics to where you get it, but it's not so loud that it's like, well, a person wouldn't be that 
rude about it, mm-hmm. but then, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's delivered very subliminally, you know? Like, it's not... Mm-hmm. She she doesn't mean to be insulting his work, but it just kind of comes out that right. way. It reminded honest. her that, you know... Yeah. It, oh, yeah. by the way. Gotta do a thing. <laughs> um, so, so Tim takes the trash out, and we meet... Uh, we meet another of our main characters, the last of our main characters um, of our yeah. ensemble, uh, Brian, the artist. The naked, <laughs> the naked artist. artist. He's kind of a gunslinger here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he got his cowboy hat and his boots on and nothing I, else. I love Brian. Um, yeah, he's great. I think Brian is, Brian is maybe the funniest character on the show. Uh, and mm-hmm. And he just gets... Because he gets funnier as it goes along. He has one of my favorite, uh, like, kind of jokes in the in the show um, later mm-hmm. on in the series. Uh, that it's just mm-hmm. phenomenal. Um, but yeah, he's he's great, and we get introduced to. Uh, he comes back upstairs with Tim, and we get introduced right. to the the art montage. Like, what what kind of art does he do? <laughs> um, oh. And they repeat this, I think, three times yep. over the course of the series. Verbatim. Yeah, verbatim. Yeah. yeah. The oh. same. Well, they use the same cuts too, right? Like it's yeah. not even they, they they don't refilm any of it. No, it's no, just it's just the exact pain. same sequence, just copy and pasted <laughs> into other episodes. Yep. It's great. Um, I love it. Just so good. And um, oh, the other the other thing too, uh, with the introduction of Brian and their like um, their talking time they have, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. is the um. The one hour later with the ashtray, and then the like, right. the, the sometime later with the with the the bottle. It's another yeah. one of those like um, the right stuff things where this is a, a an easy early pass at that those sort of weird little mise en scène jokes that he'll put in things like mm-hmm. I'm, my brain is on Baby Driver right now, obviously, like graffiti <laughs> on the walls mm-hmm. that are the song lyrics as you go. Like it's right, it's a lo-fi version of a a much more high concept thing that you can see later. And I wanted to throw, to, to throw it Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And yeah. now it's been thrown. <laughs> um, so uh, we also, uh, once, once uh, they're talking to um, Brian at the table and mm-hmm. we get our introduction to a character that we always hear about, but never see, which right. is Marsha's daughter, yeah. Amber. Um, and we get yep. one of my favorite shots in the series, yeah. uh, which is Edgar Wright's Ode to Sam Raimi, um, mm-hmm. which is yes. this shot that follows the sound of Amber running yeah. out of the apartment, down the stairs and out the front door. Um, and it it, yep. it just sort of does this this across the top of the frame, drops down the stairs. <laughs> like it's a it's just a really weird cool shot that i am i'm really into um uh-huh. and and it sort that, of defines yeah, every, the show for me in a lot of ways yeah total and, and every time i see this shot i always wonder like is it because it feels like it has that kind of a crane shot feel to you know it, how it starts up high on you know towards the ceiling and yeah like you said it follows the sound out of the house but it it's very kinetic and fast. I guess you could probably accomplish this with a handheld camera, just, you know, holding it up high and mm-hmm. bringing it down low. But there's, yeah, there's a kinetic feel to it that that translates into all of Edgar's work, you know, that, that the camera is always another character inside of the scene, kind of, you know, yeah. That, yeah. giving you a, a, a glimpse inside these people's world. So, yeah. And, uh, and going back, there was a, there was a thought that I had, during the the commentary with with Kevin Smith, there was some uh, some good nat- uh, quote good natured ribbing on Kevin Smith's part about mm-hmm. how space is sort of very much inspired by 
the kind of 20 somethings rambling about pop culture that was introduced with with clerks and with mm-hmm. with mall rats sure. and yeah. uh you know there was some kind of like i did it first you guys ripped me off Ooh. and what is so i think what is kind of like uh you know there's a there's a there's an expression that you know thieves borrow geniuses steal mm-hmm. and right. what i think what allows edgar wright and space to kind of with respect to his work, graduate past clerks and mall rats mm-hmm. is by his own uh, career long admission. Kevin Smith is not a very good visual storyteller, right? Um, <laughs> he he kind of just he he will he will tell you this like, more than any thoroughly. of us that yeah, yeah, yeah. he kind of just points the camera and let him talk. But what Edgar Wright sort of does like there are, this was what was so uh, uh, great about space and Shaun of the dead from my young brain was I didn't know the camera could get a laugh out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But right. We'll, and and, not, and we'll, a few seconds later, there's going to be a great scene where it's like, wait, you wait, you, you had sex before you kiss. And then the camera mm-hmm. zooms in and like, shit. Yeah. And <laughs> the reason that joke is so funny to me is because the extreme camera movement is, right. is so like, like that's how you feel. And I was like, Oh, the camera can make me laugh. Like yeah, the way totally. something is shot can be a joke unto itself. And mm-hmm. yeah, and like and it's, it's right here thing, in the pilot. A thing I yeah. think about a lot when people uh consciously or not praise work by calling it realistic, uh in in lots of different contexts. But sure. a thing that, that strikes me about presentation is like if you're not going for absolute realism in presentation, that doesn't mean it doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the way the way that you very artificially, you know, have these crash zooms and Dutch angles in on shit when you're caught in a lie <laughs> is not the way you see things with your eyes, but it's the way you feel in that moment. Right. It, right. it is realistic, right. even though it's not, you know, a, a documentary style. Absolutely, and that's sort the, of the and that's sort the of the mission is real, and that's sort of the mission statement of the show is you know mm-hmm. this is a a slice of life kind of series about people whose lives have been irrevocably impacted by the pop culture they've consumed Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, totally like they can't talk they can think without thinking in like sam raimi angles or like star wars quotes Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. totally so uh marcia joins them for uh their their little like sort of first night get together with their with their neighbors um, yeah. and she House tells this, party. she tells him dutifully rolling joints. Is, is on yeah. Deck. She yeah. tells yeah. this, uh, this, as I guess the, uh, I guess the, I guess the, uh, ad for the flat must've said 420 friendly or something. Um, yeah. that's the, <laughs> right. that's the code, the, 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 uh, very subtle code of <laughs> <laughs> that it's fine to do drugs in this pl- apartment. Um, it, it doesn't, it starts off with him like marrying a paper too, right? Isn't he's like, he's like making an extra long paper to roll a big, big old fatty for all four of them right. to share, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, think, um, then I think the cut is he's asleep. It's so like, specific. Like, yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, we get Marsha's like ridiculous dog story, um, which <laughs> I just, with a great punchline. Oh man, it's so good. Uh, so I, I, I love that. But then the other thing that I want to point out about this before we get to like the really weird Daisy's boyfriend conversation, um, right. is that everything after that, um, that was sort of how this episode kind of ended. It sort of ended on a sputter. And mm-hmm. uh, Edgar Wright, having read the first episode, requested that they rewrite the ending to make it more exciting because he felt like 
you know, they're writing a TV show, not, uh, not a movie. And so this can't just be an act one. There needs to be an act three to the episode. It can't just be act one of the show. And so, uh, on that button, right. So then on the day, Simon Pegg just went up to the roof and wrote these last four minutes, um, of, of this whole, like they're almost caught and the telepathy joke and all of that. Um, he just went up to the roof and, and wrote this while they were filming something else and then, uh, came down and was like, okay, here's the scene. And then they, and then they played it. Um, that's awesome. So that's pretty, it's pretty cool that it, it, it worked out because I will say from people that I've talked to that have watched the show and are, are lukewarm on it. Usually they haven't made it past this first episode because the first episode does yeah. have a weird vibe to it. And yeah, it's great. I kept thinking about how, uh, if this script as is was written by you and I, Scott, mm-hmm. you would have notes with a capital N. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's, I was like, I was like, freaking half the cast isn't in this episode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it's so weird. Like yeah. it's, it's, and it's like four scenes, this whole pilot. Yeah. It's so, it's such yeah. a, I love it, but it like from a, I, you know, having since, uh, done geek by night, which it, Oh, which owes its own fair share to space. Like mm-hmm. the the structure of this episode is just is so fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, totally. Um, and you know you have this little tacked on third act, but I think it works and it gives you just enough to make it feel like a full episode because ultimately what the episode is about is them conspiring to lie to this landlady to get this apartment, and at the end they're almost caught in their lie. Um, right. and so that's, that's it. That's, that's all you need. You know, that's enough yeah, because, yeah. because the show isn't, isn't really about anything else. Um, yep. you know, and this episode's so like anything else would kind of feel false and like it came out of nowhere. So as far as a, you know, on the day of shooting, let's come up with a third act to this thing. Uh, yeah. I think it works perfectly. I think it's really good. Um, but yeah, yeah that's crazy. I, I never heard that. Richard, it's impressive. Richard, Daisy's boyfriend. Uh, this whole yeah. Daisy Duke boss hog thing is <laughs> the most cringe-inducing. So creepy. Oh, it's so. I don't want to know anything about their sex lives. That's nope. Not <laughs> okay. That is not okay. My, I love that when when she returns to the table. She doesn't even really lie. She's like, that was Boss Hog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even well, and this is pre um pre the uh the the movie uh Dukes of Hazard, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. even like skinny, handsome uh, boss hog. No. I, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, you know. I don't Bert even know who him. played him in there the you movie. go, Burt Reynolds, yeah. Oh, Burt Reynolds played <laughs> Boss Hog in the movie. Yeah. Wow. It seemed like it okay. seemed like a better idea than it actually was. Okay, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the whole movie, basically. Yeah. It, it well, well, but the thing, the thing about paper. it is, and and I, I you know, uh, maybe maybe some of our British listeners will uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, uh, the Dukes of Hazard was like a really popular show in the UK, and I don't know if it was ironically mm-hmm. or what, but there was <laughs> there was something about that show that really like just just fascinated you know british viewers because they were like this is what america's like i guess like i don't <laughs> i don't know right? but like yeah. it it it's just such a weird uh like touchstone of american culture that became 
this really popular thing in in England. It's it's strange. It's really strange. Um, yeah. Another well, another well, blessing of the commentary is uh, in the original UK that was recorded uh, while they were filming series two. Uh, Jessica Stevenson sort of accidentally reveals that the actor playing her boyfriend was at the time dating Janine Garofalo. Wow. Oh, okay. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Of the time, I guess. Very nineties. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a pretty nineties thing. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, the telepathic gag is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, the mm. way that it's set up as a, no, he doesn't have telepathy. Like as much as you want well, him to, yeah, he doesn't the, have telepathy. The, camera, the way the camera like slides over, like right, right Tim. And he's just right smiling. Tim? Yeah. And then, and then the payoff of it later of her thinking that was close. And he's like, you're telling me. Right. Tell me. <laughs> so that I had a note about that in that, um, this is, this is a really interesting thing to me that carries through in a lot of the, the Edgar Wright and, uh, Simon Pegg collaborations throughout the years in that they don't uh they don't saddle themselves with the old comedy rule of threes mm -hmm. they all almost always go with the rule of two yeah in mm. that it's it's only the joke is set up once and then you you pay it off later and that's it yeah. you don't need to call it back a third time to show the audience see we're you know mm -hmm. we're it, it, they trust their audience to understand the humor of the situation and not have to give you that extra payoff at the end. And I, I just really love that because we also get it with the it's a little more complicated than that. And like sausages. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it happens a few times in this episode. And as this as the series goes along. Yeah. That, that, that they don't saddle themselves with that. Well, we have to call it back a third time because that's how comedy works. Right. It's like, no, if, if you're, yeah, if, if you're confident enough and you trust your audience, like you can just, you can do the setup, do the punchline and get out. Of yeah. It. The, the sausages yeah. thing, uh, Simon Pegg uh, pointed out in, in the commentary or maybe behind the scenes thing. I don't remember which one, but um, he pointed mm -hmm. out that that was the most difficult part to write uh, in this right. because he wanted it. He wanted it. The sausages joke. But he needed right. what Brian was saying to make sense for what he was <laughs> describing, but also make sense for describing sausages. <laughs> right. And he said it was the most it was the thing that took the longest to write because yeah. he had to get it the the wording had to be just right on it to make the joke work. Um, I respect that. Right. and not feel I wanting be, I like wanting bullshit. To make a joke happen that badly yeah oh, i yeah. know it's <laughs> very relatable <laughs> right. and i i just love that when brian is talking uh simon is just sort of like kind of wobbling his head back and forth um like he's like he's like like trying to find the word that doesn't describe sausages like he's like <laughs> you like sausages like sausages like it's just he just sort of like he just sort of like kind of like gently kind of like rocking his head back and forth like as he's describing uh his art um i right. love that it's just a little little performance thing that i i really love mm -hmm. and it, it reminds me of like if you smash that sort of impulse down into like one syllable there's a great uh joke on one of the seasons of community where they're they're trying to teach somebody to fight, uh, and <laughs> they get caught by Shirley or someone. And mm -hmm. Donald Glover has this bit where he tries to come up with a lie really fast, and he goes, "We're fighting." <laughs> I couldn't come up with anything else. I'm just like in that syllable, he has that entire like structure of that joke type right. there. Uh -huh. and it's it's always a funny. 
a funny, like, relatable thing where you know your brain can come up with other things. It's it's capable of it, but it won't. It's betrayed you. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. like, totally betrayed you at that moment. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, and then yep. everybody uh, everybody goes to bed. Um, yep. I, yeah. for some reason, when the, when the first credits start to roll as they're going to their room, that also mm-hmm. always makes me laugh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it's just so, like, all right, this is how we end the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, You're and I and I also down. love that the conflict is uh, the air, like they just take the air all the air out of the conflict by having by just being like yeah Marsha's drunk she doesn't give a shit like it's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah it's fine oh I love and that. she also I love the way that she wishes them happy anniversary even though that's not for another you know what yeah <laughs> four four months or something yeah right oh it's so good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, that's the episode. So, so uh, Nick, we'll start with you. What what do you what do you think of this this show just in general? Um, you know, what 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 are your sort of overall thoughts on on Spaced? Sure. Yeah. So um, for me, I d- discovered this show after watching uh, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and I, I didn't see it in the theaters, you know, I, I wasn't like clued in at the time, but somebody told me, you know, like, oh, you have to see this movie. It's right up your alley, you know, after it had come out on DVD. And so after I watched it, I think I watched it, you know, three or four times in that weekend, just couldn't get enough of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so immediately basically went to the internet and looked to see, you know, what, what other things have these guys worked on? And that's when I discovered spaced and, uh, yeah, I had to, I I had to, you know, go through maybe some less than legal means to sure. obtain it originally because yeah. it wasn't available <laughs> in the states. Uh, but I loved it so much that I ordered the. Is it region two? I think is the British DVD region. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget. Yeah, but I I found somebody was selling it. You know, a, an aftermarket seller on uh, Amazon was selling the British DVD. So I bought it and quickly realized that it wouldn't play in any of my DVD players. <laughs> so I had to buy a uh, a DVD drive for my computer that could read it. Uh, and now I have ripped copies of that that I have on my Plex server that I can access anytime I want. There you um, go. Yeah. And so I, you know, it's one of those things I come back to every, you know, year, couple years, maybe, you know, it, it's, it's kind of spaced out a little bit as time has gone by. Mm-hmm. Uh, spaced out. <laughs> terrible, terrible pun. Uh, <laughs> like the cut that out. Um, no. And, uh, yeah, I just, it's, um, it's, it's really cool to see how, um, how this collaboration has evolved over the years, but also how little it has changed mm-hmm. in that time. Like you, you get to see those, the quick smash cuts, you know, from the, the, um, the, the one sequence I always remember from, uh, Shaun of the Dead, you know, is the, the filling up of the beer and the, the going through that whole sequence, save mom, kill Phil, blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And that everything is boom, boom, smash cuts right. all over the place. And and you get that from the first episode here. And as the series goes on, just all of those visual storytelling uh, tropes, uh, I guess, of the of 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 Edgar Wright's that he u- uses over and over again. Uh, yeah, you can you can see all the genesis of genesis of it right here. So it's uh, yeah, I love it. I've, I've seen it, you know, watch the whole series from beginning to end, probably a dozen times, you know, mm-hmm. and. I haven't got sick of it yet, so yeah. yeah. What about you, Zach? Uh, 
Um, I this was sort of a a, a research uh, addendum or something. Like I I had a, a a portion of my life when I was just learning about who Edgar Wright was. I think in the midst of a horror kick I was on, where I was trying to watch all of the best like horror movies of the past you know decade or so, and mm-hmm. uh, Shaun of the Dead was on there, and I watched that and 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 really thought it was um, clever and interesting, and then. You know, a year or two later, Hot Fuzz came out because um, I think I, I very clearly discovered Shaun of the Dead after it had, had come out. I was, you know, getting right. DVDs from my library. That used to be my my big thing was I would go to the, the local library or the blockbuster near my house and I would search for all these weird, obscure movies. Well, I mean, it's not that obscure now uh, right. that I'd heard about online and track down physical <clears throat> copies of them. And I believe it was the local library that had a... A, a disc of the of the first season of um of spaced and you know when i was researching who these these people were i found it and it was um it wasn't a show i fell in love with immediately and it, it still isn't one of one that's like top on my list but i thought it was very um educational during that period of time when i was trying to like get all of this information about people who make movies and what their influences are and where they come from it was the first time that i like saw a polished movie i respected and then got to see like first draft uh, type of um, projects. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, if there's a musician you really love, you know, it's usually like their first big album that hits is them really getting everything that you know uh, in order and nailing their approach, and it's very polished and wonderful. But you're never going to hear their like awkward tracks when they were first starting mm-hmm. out, or at least right. you couldn't back in the day. And this was that equivalent to me. It was like whoa! It was like the time I saw. Um, Peter Jackson's like weird splatter uh, zombie movies and stuff when mm. going back from the Lord of the Rings, like seeing the thought process on screen of this is how I develop my voice as a filmmaker. This is how I, um, you know, develop my, my style as a writer sort of coming together. So I, I was fascinated by it for that value, but I think I only watched it like twice and had to get rid of the disc and then could never find it again for years. Mm. So for a lot of my life space has been like a, um, a memory of a thing that I can reference back to as like a, uh, a reminder. Um, and I, I think it's, it's very, very helpful to, um, to keep, keep your, your brain from being too hard on your own creative endeavors. When you can like, when you look at something as polished as like Scott Pilgrim or the world's end, uh, to like, take a second and be like, well, first you make spaced, you know, for, like first, <laughs> first you do that. And uh, so it's always, it's, I've, I've always been fond of it, even though I haven't watched it that often. Cause I didn't have the discs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I actually think I actually think that uh Spaced slash <clears throat> the Cornetto trilogy is like the reason I learned what region two and region one even like meant. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like when you you're trying to get a hold of those things. Yeah, and, and you're you like, wait, I, wait, I, extra... I can't I can't just <laughs> yeah. get everything I want, but I'm an American. Like yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. we invented media. Right. (laughs) Or that even that fact that like you, you know, maybe you traffic very clearly in just like common uh, pop culture when you're younger of like, you know, my favorite movies are going to be things like Star Wars and Back to the Future and Jurassic Park, things that are very easy to get a hold of. And then Mm -hmm. like, as eventually you're trying to learn more about other things when you run into that glove like wait i can't just grab it at blockbuster i what wait what are the young ones why does everyone keep talking about the young ones right yeah (laughs) You know, it's like that first setting you on that path of of discovery. So it's yeah, it's a nice like milestone, I guess, uh, 
Yeah. To refer back to. Yeah. I, totally. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it really does feel like uh, space to me, you know, I, it, it really just feels like Edgar Wright's first two films. Um, you know, mm-hmm. space t- series two of space really just feels like space two. Um, right. Yeah. You know, it, it, it feels like a, like a sequel and, um, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of like dig into it and look at it as sort of, uh, you know, this, this learning experience for all of them. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, totally. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us for this first episode, fellas. Uh, oh yeah. Let's yeah, uh, let's get some it. let's get some plugs in, huh? Uh, Nick, why don't you uh, why don't you plug your show? Sure. Yeah. So we, uh, uh, my significant other and I, I guess I've I've never actually explicitly stated that on the show, <laughs> but uh, we just completed. Um, that thing you do minute, uh, but it's still up on the internet, uh, except for the first five episodes aren't available on the, uh, on the podcast feed right now, but you can always go find them on the website and hopefully we'll be, uh, rectifying that soon to get the, you know, get the whole run up there on the podcast feed. And we'll be having a couple bonus episodes in the next couple of months. And then, uh, at some point in the indeterminate future, we'll be coming back with another Movies by Minutes show to be determined. So, Ooh, yeah. Nice. Awesome. So, stay tuned. Uh, and I guess, yeah, well, uh, you can follow me at Nick Ferg for more information on that or at ttyd.zone. Yeah, that's the website. <laughs> TTYD Minute, at TTYD Minute. There we go. There you go. Nailed it. And Zach? Oh, uh, well, you guys can find me uh, every weekday at Spider-Man Minute, the show that I co-host with Scott, um, where we uh, analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man by Sam Raimi one minute at a time. Also on the Dueling Genre Network, also on all the iTunes and apps where you get podcasts fed into your ear holes. And uh, you can find me on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that is at Zachary J. Luna. We're all, we also have all the uh, at Spider-Man minutes on there as well. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, mostly, 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 mostly Spider-Man centric stuff <laughs> these days. And uh, and always, always happy to come guest on other shows on the network. And uh, uh, thanks again for having us. This is a, a blast. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, check us out on everywhere else. <laughs> all right, and we Scott, uh, I'd like to pimp something. Oh. <laughs> So uh, earlier in the episode, uh, we we sort of talked about being unfamiliar with Jessica Hines's work as a writer post spaced, and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the reason for that is uh, she took a little bit of a break. Uh, she she is of course never not been working uh, across the pond over in England, which of course is wonderfully deserved. Uh, mm-hmm. But as a writer, her next major work after spaced was a two season. Uh, sitcom called Up the Women, which hmm. uh, was about uh, suffragettes. Oh, oh really? Interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. And she created the show and stars in the show and wrote every episode. Wow. Very cool. I'm going to have to track that down and check it out. Yeah. For sure. Um, maybe that could be a weekend edition thing. Or yeah, something. maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we'll be back in a couple of days to talk about the second episode of Space with uh, some new guests. Um, but uh, in the meantime, if you're on Facebook, you're going to want to check out the uh, Cornetto Minute Listeners Pub, uh, which is a group on Facebook that we've started to uh, where we can 
you sort of like talk about all things Edgar Wright and Cornetto and Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, uh, all that stuff. So um, go go find us on Facebook there and you can check out, uh, you know, what everybody's talking about or, or what have you. So, uh, yeah. Have any of you seen Up the Women? No, I no, no, no. I was like, I was asking yeah. you, like, maybe are some of our more Anglophile listeners. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Very come, true. Come on the group and talk. Yeah, about very it. true. Um, all right, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of days to talk about episode two. Bye. Bye. Skip to the end. Bye. Skip bye. To bye. The end. <laughs>